Hello everybody and welcome to podcast number 34. Today I have with me a stand-up comedian who has performed all over the UK including the leading festivals such as the Edinburgh Fringe and at Glastonbury. Also performing at the Adelaide Festival in Australia and in Berlin, Finland, Latvia and Estonia. Welcome Jack Campbell, thank you for joining us. Hello. 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 So this is really brilliant. We really appreciate your time. Now I understand that you actually went to Abbey College in Ramsey and from there you went on to graduate in creative writing and English language at De Montfort University. Well I understand is where your comedy journey began. So can you talk about that please? Uh, yeah so when I went to De Montfort in our first year of university someone set up a comedy society um and it was mainly a lot of drama students at first and I had lots of friends who were also doing the drama course it like goes quite hand in hand with the creative writing course and because I'd always loved doing stand-up and actually had a friend who I've known from secondary school who he did stand-up first um, and because it was at university as well, it was a really, really supportive environment. I hear all sorts of stories about people doing their first gig and it's just in like a pub um, and there's, you know, no one's interested at all. And it puts a lot of people off. But the way we all started at university, because, it, yeah, it's a much more supportive environment where everyone's friends with each other. Everyone like no one's, you know, everyone's watching the gigs knowing what they're there for so it was a much nicer way to start but then the other way that can go as well you can get too comfortable and then we also had a lot of people in the comedy society who only ever wanted a gig for the comedy society people and didn't want to go outside of it um so yeah my friend tom uh he did it once before me and then i thought that looks fine i really want like that doesn't look too worrying or whatever. Um, and I don't know whether it's just because I don't really get too embarrassed. If it's something like that, like I, I don't really mind at all. I don't get too self-conscious when it comes to, uh, it sounds really arrogant, but like my own ideas. I'm just like, not that I think they're the best, but I think they're okay enough to share with people. Um, and also, yeah, probably because when I was even at secondary school and further back than that, I've got, we're all just silly mates and so we're just being daft all the time um rather than I don't know if I'd be a very different comedian if I was someone who was very very quiet because you hear about some comedians like that who were like oh they're very very shy and then they go on stage and they just come alive um whereas always just like blah 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 just being daft with my friends all the time so then I did it after him he did probably like one or two more and then never did it again um but yeah, I just started doing it there. Seemed to be, you know, uh, quite comfortable at it straight away. And so I started like hosting more of the nights and stuff. And we would have like 10 uh, acts on. And, and then it started expanding more outside of like just the drama and the English and creative writing people. Um, and yeah, no, it was it was great. It was really really good. For uh, we'd have we'd have nights at the student union building, and it would be like yeah, close to like a hundred students come along, which is amazing. When I think about it now, when I've done gigs at universities and how hard it is to get students to go to anything, 
And there's like Leicester, we've got two universities, as those are cities with a good student population. And it is so difficult to get them to come to stuff. So we had a really, really good thing. And that was, um, so it was my first gig in towards the end of my first year of uni. And then as soon as I did it, uh, yeah, my university work kind of went to the wayside because I just wanted to do the comedy all the time. But your creative writing would assist with your comedy. So you could say you were working really hard on your creative writing. Yeah, but I just wasn't <laughs> submitting any work to anyone. I think that was the, I was keeping it all for myself and then not doing... Because at the university, they don't let you just do creative writing on its own. I think I probably would have yeah put more effort into my degree if I was just doing it, uh, just the creative writing. I was doing English language. And I'm much more into English language now, even though I graduated eight years ago. And I read so much more now. Like when I started my creative writing degree and there's all these really like interesting, quite cultured people and saying all these books they've read. And I was like 19 and I'd barely read anything. I just liked writing. And I think also I didn't want to do a proper degree because I was petrified. And then, yeah, started doing uh, more gigs. Uh, first of all, just around Leicester in the comedy society. So we'd we'd have all these little little ones in different places around Leicester. And then I was like, right, okay, I want to gig outside of Leicester. So my first one was in Northampton, um, and there was there was no one there at all. It was just the axe. <laughs> but I didn't care at all. I was just like, this is great. This is it. And then with the society in our in my second year of university we, they managed to get like enough funding or whatever to go up to Edinburgh Festival for the first time I didn't really know much about the festival um, and even before I went to uni I didn't really know much about Leicester Comedy Festival either and so yeah we went up to Edinburgh and we had a lovely flat on the Royal Mile where it had like 10 beds but we had 15 of us in there yeah. um, so a lot of people like I shared a room where it was a double bed and then a sofa bed on the floor, but they were like, um, yeah, what, like the bed ends and then the sofa bed starts, like, and then that was all the room we had. But I loved it so much. And the first year I went up to Edinburgh, I probably only did about like, I don't know, like 20 gigs up there. And then after that, it was, yeah, it really started a lot more. In my third year of university, it was gigging a lot more outside of Leicester, uh, going all sorts of places. And I was very much so. I was like, "Yep, this is this is what I want to do." And then it was getting towards the end of my university time, and uh, I had to go back to Cambridge, and I really didn't want to. I was actually like, I was really upset because I was like, I knew what I wanted to do, but I had to get a job, and I didn't want to get a job. <laughs> but yeah, so um, and like a lot of the people who I met from the the comedy society, I'm still in touch with now, and some of my like favourite people I've met are through that. The Comedy Society doesn't happen anymore at De Montfort, which is, I think is always a shame, but I'm too old, not really, like, I'm only 30, but I'm like, I'm too out of uni now to like go back and try and be like, hey guys, we should start up a Comedy Society. <laughs> um, and they were like, who are you? I'm like, I'm just some, <laughs> some guy around the corner. Because it ended up being um, more of a, it just became like a social club really um and a social club always sounds a lot more classier than what it actually is doesn't it but, <laughs> um where it was more like so i'd post on the facebook group we have of like oh there's a gig going in like warwick or something uh -huh. and there was the, the, the group of us who 
really loved to gig in. And then it slowly passed over into a group of students who liked comedy, but didn't want to perform it and wanted to do their uni work and then go out drinking. That was it. And I was like, that's fair enough. Their I've, parents heard, probably... I've, heard, I've heard comedy is now one of the modules in university. So perhaps you could go back and do the module and then you would be able to start up your club. Yeah, I'll probably like and then try and get rid of any information that I was previously previously there and just be like, oh, I heard there was a guy who had this fantastic idea about the comedy society. Um, with, um, so was it with your comedy lot? You travelled all over to like um, Finland, and that was that like on a tour after uni? No, or? that was yeah. that was much much later. So where um, yeah, so I, I did I did Edinburgh a couple of years in a row. I went six years in a row, um, but especially after I finished university and I was working and I mainly worked in colleges. And so I'd always have the summer off and just from gigging more and more and more and meeting more people and getting better at it and more confident in myself. Um, and so it was from meeting someone up in Edinburgh who ran gigs in Estonia. So, and then I think then I had a job that I really didn't like and I always, whatever I'm sulking and in, <laughs> like, I'm just miserable because I want to do my comedy and I'm in a, in a job and I don't like it and the job was like not very good. So whenever I get like that, then I'll start messaging people rather than what I should do is when I'm in a good mood and feeling confident, I should message more people. Um, so I messaged this guy because I was just like, you know what, I just want to go somewhere else for a bit and just, I'm not even bothered about making any money. Um, so I messaged someone, this Australian guy who runs gigs in Estonia, who had seen me a couple of times in Edinburgh. And he was just like, yeah, sure, come out, do some, do some gigs in Estonia, uh, in Tallinn. So I went out there and then uh, met, met a girl who was an Estonian comedian. And then we were together for a bit. And I went back to Estonia again, where um, you do a gig in Riga in Latvia and then one in Tallinn in Estonia and then another one in Tartu in Estonia and then you go over to Helsinki and it was with so I so I was like the support for it and um, the main headliner guy is a guy Francesco De Carlo from Italy and he's I don't know how to like describe him really it's like apparently there's a big radio show in Rome and he's like, oh, apologies. And uh, he's the, uh, like, one of the main guys on that. Mm-hmm. And but he's but he does comedy in English. And I think I don't know whether he's over in the UK, but yeah, I went over to Finland, and I just started loving that way of traveling as well. Um, of you know, oh great, someone's paying for me to go over there. I might not be making loads of money, but I'm getting to see the world and not really having to, you know. And someone's just saying, like, you're going to go over here now. And I did, yeah, really, really like enjoyed that. And then since then, I've been to Norway, um, Belgium. I did not too long ago. When I went to Berlin, that was actually a holiday that I turned into a gig, um, which was me and my current girlfriend. We, yeah, went to Berlin, and I also like it where if I'm if I'm going somewhere, I will try and look for a gig. But and I used to do that more, but now if I'm going on holiday. It's just like, right, I'm going on holiday. I'm not going to do any comedy at all. But yeah. yeah. And so um, there's a few of us from the Comedy Society who still 
uh, still performing. Sarah Keyworth was the year below. Oh right. Um, and I think like she did like she was quite sensible uh, when I think she was in her third year of university. She really focused on doing her work, and that clearly has paid off for her. Um, whereas I did not bother really doing my work. I did my dissertation in a week as well. I hope my mum doesn't listen to this because she'll be. <laughs> I was going to say, how does she feel now? She supported you through university, and you've gone on to do comedy. Um, right. Before I say this, I'll have to like uh, <laughs> before and I love my mum and my mum loves me. Um, but there's still times I think where she just wants me to get a proper job. And <laughs> she didn't really even want me to go to university. She was just like just a standard mum, just very worried. Um, she would rather have me have gone to Angela Ruskin, so I would have stayed at home in Cambridgeshire. Um, and you know, she kind of like she does get it a lot more now. Uh, I think a lot of the things I've done, she seems to think is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, so like when I went to Glastonbury or Adelaide, uh, she was like, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, Jeff. It's like, no, it's a comedy festival or it's at a company. Like if I work hard enough, I'll go again. Like it's, I don't do every gig. Like, well, this, this is it. Like, you know, and, um, but yeah, where, you know, yeah, I think she's still waiting for me to say, like, oh, mum, I'm now a qualified teacher and I'm going to get a mortgage. But when um, you offer her tickets to the Apollo, she'll be Exactly, happy yeah. Like, where some of her friends do say that to her, but she, she is, I think she's kind of, her, like, she does very sweet things sometimes. When I still lived with her and I was gigging a lot, she would leave me, like, energy drinks in my car if I was driving somewhere late. And she would say, like, leave stickers on them saying, don't die. And... <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> but in the, like, but in a comedy sense, "don't die" means like don't do bad on stage. Where I don't think she meant that at all. I think she don't physically die on the way home. <laughs> she's come. She's come along every now and then. Um, and I tell her, it's like, if you're coming along, tell me you're coming. Not because I'm going to be thrown, but just because. And I'm not bothered about what I'm saying at all. I don't like some people are like, oh God, I can't say this. Um, my nan's going to be in the audience. I'm just like, yeah. you're not writing your comedy for your nan. <laughs> so do what you want. And so, yeah, she's come along every now and then to ones that I'm doing in Cambridge here. My dad, he lives up in Cumbria, um, is very supportive of it. But I think it's also because he's not like, he didn't help me go to uni. So he's kind of like that thing where my mum like helps a lot more with a lot more like financial stuff. And, uh, you know, keeping me alive, I think. Whereas <laughs> my dad's just like my mate. And um, they find you funny. Uh, yeah, but I'm not like the funniest person in the world to them. <laughs> um, I think uh, both of them, I don't know whether it's because maybe because we're seven um, and we like, we sometimes like, we love a laugh, but uh, if someone makes fun of us, we're not very good at doing that. And so, <laughs> Like, if I say something back to my dad, it's always going to, as your parents, I think they're always going to see you as being uh, gobby or back chat rather than being funny. And like, but no, yeah. Um, not in a way that like we're, we're howling with laughter at each other or anything like that. But I think I'd rather them just find me pleasant. <laughs> they just find me pleasant and nice. And, like, and they know the comedy isn't strictly for them. Like my dad, every now and then, if I've come up with a bit, and it's a bit too sweary or whatever. And he was like, oh, I don't like that. I'm like, well, it's it's not, I haven't <laughs> written it for you, you in mind, Dad, so I don't really, I'm not really bothered. 
So, so Glastonbury, did you just go there because you wanted to go to Glastonbury and say, oh, I can get on the comedy thing and listen to some really good bands? Do anyone, does anyone go into a tent comedy in the in Glastonbury? Surprisingly, yeah. Like I, so again, it was just through a contact that I'd met and, um, and yeah, they, they knew someone who booked the comedy stage. I was, I was not really, I'm not really that keen on festivals anyway. So I wasn't, it would have been like, oh yeah, cool, I get to go to Glastonbury. Um, I don't like camping. So like, it was <laughs> nothing like that at all. So it was just like, I just want to do a gig at Glastonbury. Even if I was only going for the, like the time I was doing my gig and then leaving again, I would have yeah. still done that. Um, and I've done comedy uh, um, festival gigs like that, where usually like little weird, uh, little small ones in like a middle of a bush or something and uh, <laughs> and I'll just go and do the gig and then go and I'm perfectly happy doing that and the promoter usually will be like I can give you this amount of money or I can give you tickets for the weekend I was like I'll have the money and go I'm not I'm, I don't <laughs> want to stay here and um, it's too it's too much for me like when I was probably like 18 19 I did some um, festival stuff like secret garden party and I mainly only did that because it was down the road from where I grew up. But then, yeah, with Glastonbury, um, I ended up having like a really, really great time because I took a, a friend with me, a guy Lewis Holt, um, and who's a who's a dancer, and he makes things on YouTube. So if anyone wants to check him out, um, so I, I asked. I, I was with the girl from Estonia at the time. She couldn't go. And so then I had to go down like a list of friends of who could go because it was really short notice. Um, and yeah, no, I had, a, I had a great time there. It was really good fun. I watched like the Maccabees and um, there's a few other, Kanye, it was the year Kanye West was performing, but Kanye West just kept on stopping a song halfway through and starting again. But I also had friends that I'd known all my life who were also going. And so I could like, I would go hang out with them and stuff like that. But it was, it was really, really good fun. I liked it. I'm not, yeah, I'm not like, because uh, the the stage there at Glastonbury, it can hold like 400 people. Um, but then during the day, if they've only got like 50 people in a space that can hold 400 people, it looks a bit like lousy. Yeah. Um, and as much as I don't really get nervous before doing gigs, I was nervous for that one. Um, and it was more because of, I don't, I want to do well, so they'll have me back. Yeah, that's that's the gigs where I get nervous. When sometimes people ask you, like, oh, "Don't you ever get nervous? Do you get nervous?" Like, it's like not really, because you just get used to it. But I will get nervous when it's if like I want to do a good job. Not that I don't want to not do a good job every gig, but when I don't know, it's somewhere and just like, well, I can't be nervous because I've just got to do well. But that one, I was like, oh, I really don't want to make a fool out of myself. But then at night, at in the comedy stage at Glastonbury, it is full. Like four hundred people are all in there. You get during the day, I think you get a lot more probably parents um, coming along, uh, hungover people, definitely. Um, but mainly it's people who are into their comedy as well. And those are like, those are the ones you definitely want at a comedy thing. But like when it was the night and it was uh, the evening ones where they get the bigger names like uh, Josh Widdicombe and Tony Law. Um, yeah, it was packed. It was really, really full. And so I did, uh, I think the Saturday and the Sunday maybe um and yeah uh, loved it i didn't really spend much time hanging out with the other comedians when i was there because i would just go and see my other mates and stuff and 
Yeah. And we had enough, of a, a big enough group of us where we all wanted to see different things and it was it was fine. Um, I saw, it's called Arcadia, the big spider DJ thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There. I, again, I'd never seen anything like that at all and I just lost my little mind. Um, and I don't know why we're not building a religion around the Arcadia spider. Because um, <laughs> it was so cool. There was like people climbing on it and shooting electricity out of their hands. And, um, I was, and it comes out like, I thought it had been... Um, excavated that's how I was imagining it that it had been in the ground for like hundreds of years and they pulled it out and then it's like a big DJ spider and I was like yeah let's worship the big DJ spider I thought it was great um I went to Boardmasters one year as well and I think the year obviously last year it got cancelled the year before that it got cancelled because of the wind uh which was all the new on the news and but the year before yeah I went all the way down there and I went on my own for that one. And again, because I hate camping, I just slept in my car. And I would get drunk enough so I'd fall asleep in my car with, like, ease. And, yeah, but that was, like, great fun. I do like going to the festivals, though. So if anyone's listening, like, I will go to your festival. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do yeah, your festival. Call them up. <laughs> you're on your um, way. <laughs> yeah. And you're not, you're not shy because I've been looking through some of your photos and I saw um, a group of you where you've um, performed naked. Yes. Was that, was that a charity event or just uh, fun? Yeah. And also, like, that was my second time doing comedy naked. I, like, yeah, I'm, again, not bothered at all about stuff like that. Um, so that was for the Leicester Comedy Festival. I think it was made, raising money for Loros, the hospice. Um, and so it was in a venue called Manhattan 34, which is where... Myself and a lady, Caroline Ryan, we would run a monthly comedy night called Comedy and Cocktails. Um, but during the comedy festival, it's a venue for the whole month that the festival's on. Uh, I think that one, the picture there, it's myself, Dan Nicholas, Jason Neal and Lucy Thompson. Um, yeah, and Alex Hilton was the host of it. Um I yeah so like I, when I went on though to make it more fun I wore a coat just a coat and the coat was just long enough where it would cover cover my cash and prizes but then if I moved a little bit up it would raise up and so you could see <laughs> what was going on um yeah I don't have any like worry about that when I went to Adelaide there was a comedy like a naked comedy thing there but it was done in a weird way that like on reflection it should have been the other way around so it was if the audience don't find your jokes funny and they have like a judge on stage, mm -hmm. you have to lose an item of clothing. But wow. then in my head afterwards, I was like, and I, I think I did it three times as well because I would just need someone to say, yeah, I don't mind doing it. And not that like I love getting my kit off, but then when <laughs> I was at university, I did used to streak a lot. And um, just, yeah, maybe I do love getting my kit off. I have no problem about it. Um, but... Doing comedy where the audience are, so then it, it makes them kind of hope you're going to be bad. Yeah. So you <laughs> then remove more clothing. It's like, it should be the other way around. It's like, you should have to take off clothing if you're really, really good. Or um, start, start naked, and if they laugh, you can put an item back on. Yeah, but I think that's the, that would be the same problem, because then the audience wouldn't want to laugh, because no, they want to keep you yeah. <laughs> So the nudity should be a reward. <laughs> <laughs> for the audience for enjoying you so much because you don't want to like 
the audience not enjoying it and then you're just there getting naked and it's kind of all a bit uncomfortable where it's if it was like a positive thing um and i think they did something at adelaide as well and maybe they've done it up in edinburgh now where they do these gigs where the not only is the the performer naked but all of the audience are naked as well like a nightmare um but or whatever that thing is where they tell you to picture people naked um and again, I think that's a really fair way of doing it. And I think that, um, but they've carried on doing the Naked Comedy at Leicester Comedy Festival for the last couple of years. Um, and beforehand, when we did that one, I was acting like I was the king of naked comedy because I'd done it before. And I was like, right, okay, we're in the green room. It's like, we're going to get naked now. So um, just have a, you know, just be, stand in a circle and we're going to just be naked with each other. And um, and just so we're done. Like that. Yeah. So yeah, we did that. Uh, and yeah, like it's, I don't really mind of it because it's, I, I think I quite like it that it just shows that everyone's bodies are different and stuff like that. I'm not saying that like I'm going to do every gig in the, in the news now. But, but yeah, if, the, if there's it. any nudist colony camps out there who need a comedy act, they should pay you to go yeah. and do it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, go, I'll go do that. I'll go do your naked festival <laughs> or whatever. And, and, and it should be in a country I've not been to and I, you pay me to go over there and, I don't know, it'd be like 50 quid, so I don't mind. Okay, but in, addition, in addition to your um, comedy, though, you also write, you present, you've been on radio, and you've also done a voiceover. So in the future, do you see yourself writing plays, sitcoms, and perhaps um, acting in them as well? Yeah, I would, like I'm getting, at the moment, I'm getting more and more into that um, and kind of moving away from... With, like, I'm quite, I know I'm lazy with my own comedy writing. Um, I'll have like, you know, there's some people that are amazing that they'll record every gig and listen back to it and, and just like write in reams and reams of paper of like their stuff. And I'm, I don't know, sometimes I like just seeing what sticks in my head. And then when it comes to me sitting down to write and stuff, whatever stayed in my head is an idea that I've thought of other ones that usually... Um, I'll carry on with but then also it does help so that's why the, the stuff at the moment of not being out of gig I will generate some and I think other lots of other comedians will as well you'll generate so much more material when you're regularly gigging as well but yeah I recently did um, this thing called 28 plays later where you have to write uh, they, you get given a brief every day and then you have 36 hours to write the play um, and so I attempted to do that. I got to brief 21 and then uh, I missed a deadline. And so I stopped doing it. But like, it's, I didn't really mind. But I really, it kickstarted my thing for like when I was at university of loving just writing anything, whether it's like a serious thing. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I would, I would like to do more things like that, doing even like a job as an extra where I'm just walking in the background of a, like you know a, an insurance advert or something like that just walking past and yeah I, I, writing more plays to be performed and I've got a great group of yeah like my comedy mates but also like actor mates and, and other writers and directors and stuff and I would rather do that and I think it's also tied into that thing of okay like as much as I love doing comedy um it is really, really hard. And so there's loads of comedians who have always got an extra stream of income as long as it's related. Mm. And so, and, and it's just the fact that like, if, if you can end up like monetizing it 
Um, it's you've earned that money from something that you created. It's not like you've had to sit in an office or do something that you don't really want to do. Um, but then I'm still kind of suffering. Like when I first started in comedy and I started applying for gigs, I'd be so nervous. That would make me more nervous applying for gigs hmm. because like, you don't want to say something in that email that like, isn't something that people normally say, or that's not how they normally do it. And promoters are incredibly fickle. And when I've had to book gigs, I suddenly turn quite fickle as well. If someone doesn't email me in a way that I want or whatever, um, <laughs> And so I'm a bit like that when I've been starting to apply for these like small uh, acting things and presenting things. I get so shy and like self self doubting that like oh god, do it, like are they going to think I'm an idiot in my application? It's like an interview mm-hmm. for when I've interviewed when I've had like loads of different jobs. I hate the interview part, and I was just like, just let me just do the job for like two hours just to show you I can do it yeah because an interview is such like an unnatural way of talking to someone it doesn't like there's people who can learn how to do a really good interview but they can't do the job yeah and it's just like I could do the job just don't like don't talk to me <laughs> like don't <laughs> okay. don't sit me down at a desk and have to answer questions like just let me get on with it yeah. and so yeah I'm trying to start doing more of that and just as another thing so like if I'm gigging one night and then the next day uh you know and I'm on a set somewhere and trying to write all sorts of different things and I just love it and um, I've just been out this morning to go buy a bookcase because of during lockdown as well I've bought so many books and I'm just reading all the time um and have you uh, done any zoom gigs during lockdown I've done I've done one because I don't again I was telling myself I was like I don't think I've got the right style for it again because of my um I like interacting with a crowd. I don't rely on it so much that like I cannot gig if I'm not in front of a crowd. Um, but no, I say I've done one, I've done two. Um, one where I was hosting it and it was, uh, and they've both been like corporate ones. Uh-huh. And I really should have been doing more and more. And now I'm with the mindset, it was like, oh, well, we're going to come out a lot. What's the point? But I should be doing it because just out of way of like developing the thing. And so with 28 plays later, which anyone can do, by the way, um and it's really good fun some of the briefs are like insane but like and you there's a facebook group for it and you meet a load of really positive uh people which is really nice and you can read other people's work but with doing that the daily task of it i loved and it kind of did take me back to being at university with the creative writing work we got given and even on the comedy society where it's like okay you have to write a new five minutes this week Mm. and and I like that kind of deadline thing and because I don't really have that anymore if I got like a paid writer's job where it's like okay here's the brief you've got to, like off you go like that I love that but then because I've not really I need to start either doing it for myself or making something um sorry I'm being called and I'm not to go away um and so yeah like I, I, I like that so much more um and I'm trying to do more uh, kind of Zoom meetings with other writers and stuff, and like a load of load of things that get made as well. You always chuck comedians in it and stuff like that. Just I think it's because we don't really have much else to do, and we will stave off the idea of like I'm not going to go work in an office, so I'll go be the postman in your short film or whatever. I'll go do that happily. But, yeah. So who inspired you? And any comedians inspire you when you were? Um, I now or when you were growing up 
yeah, so like when when I was growing up, it was and I feel bad because I end up answering these are like the typical comedy interview questions. Sorry. And so I've, I've said this so many times. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> and um, so yeah, I remember I was I remember watching it loads and being so interested in it. And then I'd go to school and just be quoting back stuff to people. Um, so like there was Alan Davis, Urban Trauma, which I think came out like 1999, 2000. And I watched that loads. And it's like when you watch The Simpsons or something like that when you're a kid and then you watch it when you're an adult and there's all these extra jokes and stuff like that that you, you start getting. So there was the Alan Davis one. And I still do like Alan Davis a lot. Um, and, uh, and I still quote the Alan Davis stuff now. Um, and there was Billy Connolly as well. We had like VHSs of Billy Connolly and I'd sit and watch that. Um, and Robin Williams. And it was definitely like kind of those three on a loop for me. Um, and I'd, I still watch those those ones now. And with uh, Billy Connolly, I read one of his, he's released a new book. I can't remember where I've put it now. Um, where it's just all his stuff written down because now he's not performing anymore. He's done this book where it's just all his stories and stuff all written down word for word with the, the lovely um, Scottish dialect in the writing of it. Um, but then like reading it on reflection, I hope people won't be like upset with me. Some of his actual like stories and jokes, like the punchlines aren't even that great, but it's him that makes it. And so I watched a little program about him just the other night and it's just like, but he's, I don't know, he's like, um, it's just like, it's just a level of respect for him that like, I think yeah. that's more the thing. And I got to see him at the Apollo a couple of years ago on like his last tour. Um, and yeah, like some of the, some of the things fizzle out, uh, some of the, and it's not like a big bit ending. And then also I suppose it doesn't need to, I watched a Dylan Moran thing the other night as well. And he's got no punchlines. It's just like, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like that's the end of it. And I've had people saying that to me and I think it's like, yeah, it was that kind of unconscious thing of like, oh no, that's because that's the kind of comedy I watched growing up and it just went into my head of, you don't need a, that strict format of a joke of like, you don't need any of that. You can just, it's more just verbal diarrhea coming out and chucking in funny subtle bits. Someone's, one of my mates who was at the comedy society with me it was just like you just said about me that it's like you kick comedy at people and I think that's what like Billy Connolly would do and Robin Williams where it's just yeah just kicking it at them non-stop I'm not like a complete like live wire um in the sense of like Robin Williams and like that um and so yeah those are the main three and then as I got older and like uh YouTube became a lot more prevalent um, I started watching a lot more other American guys and I used to go on like LimeWire and download uh, comedy uh, tracks and stuff onto my iPod for the bus on the way into school and listen to Ray Romano and there's some Jim Carrey ones and uh, Dave Chappelle and then I got really into Dave Chappelle and like the Def Jam comedy stuff even though I'm uh, a very white boy from the Fens in Cambridge. <laughs> um, but yeah, it ended up just being like, just absorbing it. Um, and yeah, and so then when it came to actually doing it um, at university, it was just like, I have seen like so much of it. And now my favorite ones when I get asked, 
I have to kind of you have to kind of split it sometimes as well because especially when I'm speaking to people who are from the UK there's lots of people who don't want to listen to anything outside the UK there's still quite a lot of people who do not like American comedy at all my least favorite thing about American comedy is just the audience because it's just like stop applauding <laughs> like, <laughs> let him get on with it please and um but yeah like so and like, yeah like so the UK ones are like Bill Bailey um and Sean Locke I really like and more recently um really enjoying Sarah Pascoe and uh, there's plenty of others and like luckily the person who I live with um Colin he books stuff for the Leicester Comedy Festival under the triple CP um uh, kind of branding and so like every like we've watched a lot of the stuff for the Leicester Comedy Festival online um and it's just been great. And then there's all the American guys I really like as well, like Paul F. Tompkins. And there's an English one, Paul F. Taylor. Oh, Paul F. Tompkins. And so, yeah, I love, I do really like Paul F. Taylor as well. But, uh, so everyone, really, then? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, wouldn't, I don't want to say any of the people who I don't like. I think that's if, if you had a phone call now and they said, right, we want you to be our warm-up at, on tour, who would you like that phone call from? Um... Like, like right now <laughs> I don't know like if it was someone like yeah like massive massive and and they I think it also depends if it was like if it was just the management saying we want we want you to be the warm-up because we think you'd be good I was like yeah but does the act themselves think I'm good because I would <laughs> like there's people who I'd love to do warm-up for like Sean Locke yeah. but if they were like but if Sean didn't like me I wouldn't do it because I was just like no because that'd be so much work um but yeah, like uh, probably Paul F. Tompkins. I would really, really like that. Um, but then I'm at a, like I'm kind of at that level now of getting to do warm up for uh, Larry Dean, and like Larry's only like a year older than me, and Dane Baptiste, and I've done one for Louisa um, Emilian, and I hope I've said her last name right because I said that so unconfidently just then. But. <laughs> With um, and I love doing that as well. It's loads of fun, but it's not like that kind of rock and roll. Yeah, I'm the warm up guy, and we're staying in a hotel together. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't even. I don't know. I don't know. Probably yeah, like maybe um, maybe Alan Davis, just because out of like the, um, you know. But I don't know whether he'd find it weird to me be like, oh, I used to watch your VHS when I was nine years old. <laughs> well, um, if, if any if any uh, comedians are listening and need someone as a warm-up act, give yeah. Jack Campbell a ring and uh, <laughs> he's up for it. So that's yeah. brilliant. Jack, thank you so much for joining thank us today. Well. It's been wonderful. And I think we could just talk all day, to be honest. So, yeah. so uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you go now. So thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for listening.